You are listening to the Theologizing at Remedy podcast, a podcast of Remedy Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. The design of the podcast is to help the people at Remedy Church connect theology with community, mission, and care. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Theologizing at Remedy. Uh, we're your hosts, uh, Chris, I'm a pastor here at Remedy, and he's... Fudd, also a pastor here at Remedy. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, the spiritual discipline of prayer. And uh, when you talk about prayer, I mean, our kind of when we were talking about it, our first reaction was like, this is such a big topic, we can't possibly cover all of it, uh, which is true, and we're not attempting to. Um, today we're just trying to give some kind of big ideas and theology behind prayer, we're going to go through some of the Lord's Prayer, and we're also going to leave you with a method of prayer uh, that could be helpful in your own personal uh, devotions with the Lord, and then also, obviously, uh, praying with others, corporate prayer, um, any kind of community prayer. This is well. a great day for prayer, because as we record it, this is the day of the flood Yeah, Rock Hill. Yeah, we've gotten 17 really awesome beeps on our phones of floods and the creek behind Remedy Church building is is almost the parking in lot. the parking lot. It's a lake. <laughs> it's November the 12th, 2020. It's that day that you kept getting floods. It's now 11. Now it's 1. Now it's 3. The, the school, the pushing sc- the flood. <laughs> the school I normally work at is flooded. We had to send the elementary students home early today. <clears throat> I took my boat to work. Took my boat to work. <laughs> I don't even have a boat. You sold your boat, man. All right, um, so let's get into this uh, big idea kind of theology of prayer. I just wanted to read Luke 18, uh, a parable that Jesus uh, tells for prayer. Uh, It says this, And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. So what's the purpose of the the parable? That we would always pray and not lose heart while we pray. What does lose heart mean? Uh, Become discouraged and quit. Um, So Jesus said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. And then Jesus ends with this. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find, and if you were to guess, like what what is he going to say? Will he find blank on the earth? You know, what would you say? I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Um, I would think, just by reading the parable, that he would say, when the Son of Man comes, will he find prayer on the earth? Since the whole thing's about persistent, enduring prayer. Mm-hmm. But he actually says faith, which is an interesting point. Mm-hmm. So kind of here, uh, this, this is a John Calvin quote. Uh, Calvin says, prayer is the chief exercise of faith. And then one of my students amended Calvin, and then I slapped him. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't slap him. Uh, But he amended Calvin. He said, actually, it's also, you could say, it's the chief demonstration 
of faith, which is I, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, that's really good. Um, but kind of the point here, right, Jesus is saying that persistent, enduring prayer is tied directly to our faith in Jesus as the Lord, the Son of Man who will return. So go back to the very first thing you said before you read that. You said the two things that he wants us to do are pray always uh-huh. and not lose heart. So if we – that's not lose heart is said negatively, but maybe if we wanted to say that positively, we could say – have faith. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Pray always and have faith. And when you think about like just prayer at its most basic sense, it's this idea of you're talking with God. You 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 don't pray unless there is faith involved. Pray doesn't prayer doesn't do anything like uh utilitarian for you. Like it doesn't immediately mm-hmm. accomplish anything that you can visibly see. Mm-hmm. And so to 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 pray to God you literally are dependent upon him in faith because you're you're doing an exercise that doesn't necessarily benefit you unless there is a God, unless he answers prayers. Right. Um, so let's talk about some of the theology of prayer. Like, why are we able to pray? What enables us to pray? Um, what is Jesus's role? What's his, his role? The, the, the death of Christ on the cross, what does that do for prayer? Uh, in regards to Christians, yeah, I have a, uh, or I've heard this this um, C.S. Lewis, I think it was, has this um, little illustration. I His guess. friends call him Jack. Well, I guess I just know him by C.S. <laughs> Good old Jack Lewis. <laughs> well, he has this thing that I've read. I cannot remember where, uh, where he talks about the the Trinity's work in prayer. And he says that um, that we pray to God the Father, like our prayers are to Him, but they are to the Father because of the Son. Hmm. So because of the Son's cross, because of the Son's interceding work, we pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that that is lives within us and shows us, directs us prompts us on on what to say and how to how to think and how to speak and so the work of prayer um, is a work of God namely where all three persons are active yeah yeah so it's Trinitarian yes prayer is Trinitarian yeah yeah to the father yeah uh, because of the son by the, the spirit. spirit that's good um I, I also footnote think C.S. of Lewis. yeah footnote C.S. Somewhere. Jack Jack Lewis one of the many books I read by him and I can't remember when um, kind of to add to that you know there's there's a couple passages I'm thinking through um, one in Ephesians where we have we have boldness and we have access to the Father right and how do we have boldness and access to the Father well Jesus dies on the cross taking our sins upon himself right and then not only does he die but then he resurrects making a way. He ascends to the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father. Romans 8 tells us he's interceding for us, even now, at the right hand of the Father. Um, so he makes a way for us uh, to pray. Galatians 4 says it this way. Um, he sent, uh, the Father sent the Son of his, this, sorry, I said it backwards, sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually see only one other place in the Bible where that phrase, Abba, Father, comes up. Romans 8. Uh, does it come up in Romans 8? That's also the spirit of the Son, right? 
I was going to say the uh, prayer of Gethsemane, hmm. where Jesus is praying and he says, Abba, Father. Um, right, Abba meaning Daddy. Right. Yeah. And so literally uh, Jesus is sharing his relationship with us, with his Father, and right. we're able to pray as Christ himself prayed. Uh, we're able to go boldly not because we're um, worthy, but because Jesus is worthy, and he gives us his righteousness. He gives us his status before right. God. Um so even just the big theological concepts behind prayer it is huge. It's Trinitarian, and it took the Son of God becoming man and dying on the cross and resurrecting from the grave and ascending to the right hand to make us a way in which we have access to our Father uh, on his throne as right. sons and daughters. Uh, so prayer is huge. The very gospel itself, right? Um, prayer is a fruit of it. So let's look at specifics. Um, this is an old, uh, what's his name? Um, Paul Washer quotes him a lot. Oh, I can't think of his name. Ravenhill. Leonard Ravenhill. Leonard Ravenhill. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill wants, like, he always does it this way. You know, the disciples saw Jesus heal people, and they never said, Jesus, teach us to heal. The disciples saw Jesus raise people from the dead. Jesus, teach us to raise people from the dead. They saw him deal with the Pharisees. Jesus, teach us this. They Uh never asked these questions. But then when they saw him pray, Mm -hmm. they say, Lord, teach us to pray. The only thing they ever asked him to teach them. Um, And then, of course, he gives the Lord's Prayer. That's the Luke version. But there's also the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Right. Um, So let's talk about the the Lord's Prayer. Um, What what does Jesus teach us about prayer from the Lord's Prayer? Well, um... So looking at Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5, the passage goes like this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard by, by their many words. Do not pray like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this. And then he says, Our Father who art in heaven. Right? So there's the Lord's Prayer. So before you get into the Lord's Prayer, you can see in that little opening um, teaching that he has and from verse 5 down to verse 9, he, he begins with some preliminary thoughts some preliminary teachings about prayer. The first one is basically go into your room and close the door. Uh, of course, he's not prohibiting public prayer, but uh, in, in a main way, the principle is that we, we pray to God the Father through Christ, and we go, to, uh, we go to God the Father not for self-exaltation. That's why he's telling you to you know, go when you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't, don't do it so that everybody sees you and thinks you're awesome. Right. Um, it's it's not about you. It's about God. Prayer is about of, the worship of God, not the worship of you. Yeah, that's kind of the first yeah. thing that he's trying to teach there. The second thing that he says is, you know, don't heap up empty phrases. Um, so uh, he wants you to understand that uh, just babbling before the Lord, saying a bunch of nonsense or repeating yourself over and over just for the sake of having some kind of like, uh, conversation where you think it's really about you 
is not really the point. Um, it's uh, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's concise. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, in English, fifty-two words; in Greek, fifty-seven words. And so, um, we don't want to babbling as we're you know the pagans. We we go to the Lord knowing that He's given us what to say, and we say it. Uh, pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah. The second thing basically is, or the third thing, sorry, the third thing is in verse 8, um, your father knows what you need before you ask. Hmm. So before you go to prayer, realize you're going, before, you're going because of God. When you go, speak to the Lord, don't babble. And the third thing is your Lord actually, the Lord knows what you need before you even ask. Just putting on display that we have an amazing personal God. So let me give um, a a little sidewinder, little rabbit hole maybe. Yeah. If God knows everything that we need before we even ask it, mm-hmm. why ask? Right. It's a good question. Um, there's this little devotional by John Piper, 365 days uh, of devotions, and on devotion number, I think it's like 50. Uh, it's two. It's a page and a half. It's a really good little devotional. Each devotion is a page and a half. Piper has this uh, teaching where it's prayerful and prayerless. It's a conversation between Mr. Prayerful and Mr. Prayerless. And basically, uh, prayerless is like, what's the point of praying? And Mr. Prayerful is trying to, trying to convince Mr. Prayerless why he should pray. Um, and, and in essence, to boil it down, what he says, and I think it's biblical, um, you know, Piper's thoroughly biblical, I think. What he says basically is, listen, the Lord is sovereign over all things. And he's like, so why pray? Because the Lord has ordained, even in his sovereignty, that the way things happen is that you pray for them. They won't happen unless you pray. Yeah. And so you pray because prayer is literally the fuel of those things, of the fuel of God's sovereignty, if you want to say it that way. Hmm. Things happen because you pray, and they won't happen if you don't pray. So prayerful is telling prayerless, you got to pray or else it won't happen. And, of course, you can say, what happens if you don't pray? Well, you can take it a step back and say, and God ordains the prayers. Um, But you're still, he does all that with the ability of you not being some kind of robot either because if God can create ex nihilo, the world out of nothing. He certainly can create a world where when we pray, and he's even though he's ordained it, it's still real. Right. And yep. so the reason why you pray is because things won't happen. Yeah. And God's ordained the world that way. Yeah, and that's good. It, it points to the humility and the, the steadfast love of God because he could have accomplished his will without us, mm-hmm. without prayer, without needing anything, right? right. I mean, but instead... He accomplishes will through relationship. Right. And consider the kindness um, of God of letting us enter into that and be a part of that. And that's another thing is just going back to the Trinitarian, you know, good old Jack, good old mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis. Jack Lewis. Um, when we pray, we are literally participating in Christ's relationship with his Father, something mm-hmm. that's always been, something right. that always will be. Right. He's invited us in that union between father and son and has called us sons and you know because of the son right what um, was the trinity doing before creation right. before time enjoying uh, the glory of praising and adoring father praising and adoring his son and the son praising and adoring his right. father and enjoying the glory of, yeah. of one another 
So anyway, before you get into the Lord's Supper, I'm sorry, the Lord's Prayer. Um, those that's are another. Kind of, that's another. That's another uh, podcast. That would be another one. Mark that down. Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper. And baptism. So anyway, um, so it, yeah, before you get to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus makes those points. Um, namely, again, number one, uh, go into your room and close the door. It's about God, not you. Number two, don't heap up empty phrases. Talk to God the Father. Number three, God already knows what you ask him. He's, a, he's an amazing personal God. So then you get to the Lord's Prayer, and he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to, to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so as you read that, uh, there are some elements from that that we can incorporate into our own prayers. So we're thinking, what do I say when I pray? What do I say? That rhyme. What do I say when I pray? Um, well, there's at least seven elements there that you can incorporate into your own prayer life. Uh, and I'll, I'll go through them fast. Um, but, but also just some general teaching uh, when you're thinking about it. Number one, acknowledge the invitation to be a son or daughter. Our Father. Like mm-hmm. God is inviting you in, as you've said, into the relationship between him and his son. And he's inviting you in as a son. Or as a daughter, so I, I mean that that those first two words, like almost the entirety of Christianity is found in those two words. Our Father. You've got Father, who is God, right? And then you've got our, the Church. It's mm-hmm. horizontal. We're now mm-hmm. we're now family because of that. Um, that's good. And whenever the disciples heard that, I mean, I, I, we've said this a lot of times, but whenever the disciples hear that, it's revolutionary, mm-hmm. because in the Old Testament. All they've ever said. I mean, there's words when they talk to God. There's Yahweh, what they're not allowed to say, um, which just means Lord. There's Elohim, which is Lord, and there's there's another Greek word for, or Hebrew word for Lord. I can't remember. Adonai. Adonai, yeah. Lord. Those are the two words they're allowed to say. Right. Adonai and Elohim. But when they always pray to God uh, in the Old Testament, they always call him Lord. Adonai, Elohim, and they're not even allowed to say Yahweh. They never even conceived into the Hebrew mind to call him Dad. Right. Father. Right. And so Jesus, they say, teach us to pray. And he says, okay. He doesn't say, our Lord, our God. He says, our Father. So, like, that just revolutionizes relationship when it comes to how the Hebrew is supposed to think about their relationship with God. Not just as Lord, but now as Father. Well, in the the book of John, um, some Jews pick up some stones to kill Jesus with when he— because he made God to be his father, which made mm-hmm. himself equal with God. Right. Which is the point. Right. Right. He is equal with God. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's significant. It's revolutionary. So in the first first thing about prayer, acknowledge the invitation that we are given to be a son or daughter. We are called into, um, we're called into that, as we've already read. Uh, J.I. Packer says this, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. This is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life. It means that he does not understand Christianity very well or at all. Hmm. Like you, you're a child of God now. Acknowledge that. Number two, uh, our Father who art in heaven. So you have this juxtaposition of eminence and transcendence in those four words. Our Father, very eminent, who art in heaven, massively transcendent. He's, he's huge. Yeah. He's, 
So second, acknowledge his transcendence and his holiness and thereby also our sinfulness. So as you go into it, recognize that you're a son or daughter, but also recognize that he is transcendent. He is huge and he is God. He's the king whose robe filled the temple in Isaiah 6's vision. Right. Just the train, the edge of his robe filled the entire temple. Right. He's huge. The heavens can't contain him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. So the hallowed be your name, I would say, goes within heaven. Right. He's, he's holy. And then you see your kingdom come. So we realize that also... Uh, when we pray that our only hope is in his final second coming, which will be vastly different than the first. Um, and we pray for that day to be hastened. You know, uh, your kingdom come. Lord, come. Let it be this day. And if not this day, let it be soon. We don't know when it's coming, but pray for that. That's something that we should want more than this life. This life is, you know, it can has, have down points, but it can also have good points. There's, there's good things. But this is nothing like heaven. Pray for that day. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done. So we also want to pray for his revealed will to come to pass. Um, pray for his will to be done. We don't know what it is. Uh, how do you know the Lord's will? John Newton says, he guides and directs his people by affording them an answer to prayer, the light of his Holy Spirit, which enables them to understand and to love the scriptures. The word of God is not to be used as a lottery, nor not as it designed to instruct us, by shreds and scraps, which detached from their proper places, have uh, no determinate import, but it is to furnish us with just principles, right apprehensions to regulate our judgments and affections, and thereby influence and direct our conduct. So how do we know what the Lord's will is? How do we know what his revealed will is to come to pass? Find it in the Bible. Yeah, it's in his word. Find it in the Bible. So when we pray for your will to come, uh, it's beckoning us to be in the Bible to know what, what specifically when we say your will be done. Read the Bible and you'll know it. Read the Bible and you'll know it. So prayer even uh, petitions us into the word, which that will bring us into our last part of the podcast. But yeah. <clears throat> anyway, the next thing you can see is uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which it always is. And then he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now we go into the request for our daily petitions, even daily, not just personal, but corporate petitions. Because notice it says, give us, not give me, but give us. And so uh, always connect yourself back to your local church and think about what we need as a church. What do we need as a people of God? And petition the Lord for those things. He wants us to. We've already said he knows what we're going to ask before we go uh, to him. And he's a God, the Father. And if you're God, if you as an earthly father uh, love to give good, good gifts to your children, think about how much better and how much more our heavenly Father wants to. And so ask, you know, ask. It's okay to ask uh, for those things. There's a little call back there to um, the Israelites wandering and daily getting bread from mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. quite literally. Um, Man he, from heaven. He's the father, and we're of his household. He's going to take care of us like fathers um, are called to do. Right. Not daily food, but daily bread, because bread was a staple in the Hebrew life, and it was made every day, and life revolved around the, the using and the making of it. It was the plate, and it was the utensil. It was, it was everything when it came to uh, what's going on. And so we realize our absolute need for everything uh, that that comes from Christ being our daily bread and asking him for it. Um, so 
after you see that, the next thing you can see, there's only two more. Um, give us this our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. So ask for forgiveness of sin and help us extend that forgiveness of sin to others. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so you want to pray for forgiveness of sin. You want to pray for your needs, like it says in verse twelve, but uh, 11, but also in verse 12. You want to pray for forgiveness of sin. As Luther says, all of life is one of repentance. Hmm. Um, remembering what you're knowing what your sin is and repenting of it com- com- completely and every day, you know, as the Lord, the Holy, by the Holy Spirit, brings to mind things that you need to repent of. This is a return to the gospel, right? Why, why the gospel is so great? Because you're forgiven in it, but you want to repent of those things. Um, not in a salvific way that you're getting resaved, right? Um, but nevertheless, repent. And then it says, lastly, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Continually plead for the Lord to keep you from sin. Uh, plead that you won't sin anymore or pray that you'll be sanctified or pray that you'll live a life that that shows that Christ is your highest righteousness. D.A. Carson says, lead us not into temptation, but away from it, into righteousness, into situations where far from being tempted, uh, we will be protected and therefore kept righteous. You want to pray for that. You want to ask the Lord to do those things for you. So that's yeah. kind of my little... Uh, outline when it comes to prayer. If you're thinking, what do I do? What do I say? How do I acknowledge? What are the things that are important to know? I think there a lot of them are found right there in the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, that last, lead us not into temptation, um, he echoes that later on in the uh, in Jesus' prayer to Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Um, he tells him that, you know, he tells his disciples as he's going to the side to pray, he says, pray that you might not be led into temptation. And this is an interesting thing from that. Uh, I just thought of it while we were going through that. Um, Jesus three times comes back to Peter, James, and John, mm-hmm. and they're sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. And he kind of rebukes them. Mm-hmm. You couldn't wait with me one hour, mm-hmm. right? You couldn't pray with me one hour. Um, three times. Uh, and Jesus all the time is praying. Mm-hmm. Peter is all the time sleeping. And then from that text on, Jesus has this strength to endure what comes his way, which is uh, going before different leaders, being you know false witnessed, being struck, having his clothes taken from him, being beaten, being scourged, being crucified, all of that, right? Jesus walks in that with strength provided from him, from his father, because he was in prayer. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Peter, who fell asleep three times, mm-hmm. denies the Lord three times. Mm-hmm. He has three chances to confess the Lord before men and women. But he doesn't have the strength to do it, right? Likely because he fell asleep in prayer, right? He 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 wasn't receiving the strength from the Lord through prayer to to stand against temptation when they mm-hmm. come. Um, so let, let's leave our let's leave our listeners here with a methodology, a method. I mean, we just talked about some of the elements that you can incorporate into prayer. Obviously, the Lord's Prayer points that out pretty um, clearly. This was something. Um, Fudd, you mentioned this in a sermon a long, 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 long time ago. Uh, you just mentioned the idea of, like, having trouble praying. We'll just pull out the Bible and pray through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Profound impact on me when I when I started doing that. That wasn't my idea. That was John Piper. Right. Yeah. And then uh, later on, um, I had a conversation with Joe Mueller, and he mentioned this, this, this prayer thing called uh, the Psalms of the Day, um, which is just basically praying through a psalm each day. Uh-huh. Uh, same kind of concept there. And that kind of got me on to this uh, book by Donald Whitney 
Um, and we we had encountered Whitney before when we, I think I preached through John four, and talked about how evangelism is actually a spiritual discipline. That was something that Don Whitney had pointed out in one of his spiritual discipline books. But anyways, he he wrote a book called Praying the Bible, and so I would highly recommend for anybody. It's a very short, eighty page. It's really a pamphlet. Um, it, it could be right a part of uh, the Remedy Pamphlet Club. Uh, I'm not going to call any names out. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> Wait, is that Larry? <laughs> I could, hey, I can't call out any names. You didn't. I I don't. I can neither confirm nor deny that whether or not that's Larry and maybe some other people too. Um, <laughs> but anyways, this is a, a nice little 70, 80 page book. Uh, very easy to read, but it's called Praying the Bible. And the whole point of the book is exactly what it, it sounds like. And, and a couple weeks ago when we were going through the Christ hymn in Colossians 1, um, you mentioned, it was from one of the commentators, you read kind of the conclusion, and one of the things uh, that you mentioned was like, have we forgotten the language of adoration, right? Have we forgotten what it is to be thankful, to worship the Lord, to, to adore Him? Hmm. And that was kind of the point that Donald Whitney made is, well, yeah, we have forgotten it, but you know what? He he wrote a book that's all about adoring him. Mm-hmm. It's called the Psalms. But you could really even expand out and say everything in the Bible right. is about adoring and worshiping of God. So Donald Whitney just makes this point of pull out the Bible, pray through it. And as you're doing that, you're given language to give back to the Lord. Um, and uh, one of his main points here, and I, I just want to say this, like maybe this is not you, but this was me. Every time I would go to try to set a a um, discipline of prayer in my life, I would go strong for a while, but then it would get repetitive and boring. <laughs> I would find myself repeating the same thing over and over and over again. It would just be really hard to focus. Mm-hmm. And uh, Donald Whitney says it's not because you're a second-rate Christian right. that that happens. Um, it's because you're being repetitive and it's boring. <laughs> And so he points out that one way to, to, to get off of that is just change your method of praying. Mm-hmm. Pull out the Psalms or pull out uh, a narrative or pull out the letters of Paul, read verse by verse and just pray through it. Mm-hmm. And, and bring in those people, like bring in your wife, bring in your kids, bring in your roommates, bring in your friends, bring in mm-hmm. uh, your job, whatever it is. Bring those things in and pray through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, use the scriptures to give you language to pray through those things. Um, so let me just give a, a quick example, and then I'll end uh, w- with something that I, I found profound. Um, so Psalm t- 42, uh, this would be an example of praying through a psalm. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it starts off, As a deer pants f- for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for, the, for God, for the living God. So you would just read off a phrase there. As the deer pants for uh, flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. And then you would just pray based off of that. Mm-hmm. Lord, help my children like desire strongly you, the living God. Let them pant after you like a deer pants after uh, water. Uh, Lord, teach me, even as I'm working, to just strongly desire you while I'm working, to, to glorify you in my work, um, to be satisfied by nothing but you. Uh, and, and you just go through different things like... Um, Let's see. Why why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Mm-hmm. You just take that. Like, 
Lord, sometimes I don't see you. Sometimes I, I ask the question, where is my God? Mm-hmm. Sometimes your, your face is hidden from me um, and my soul is cast down. But I want you to know that it's cast down because I don't see you and you are the joy of my soul. You, you know, and you just pray through the Psalms or you pray through uh, whatever passage you're going through. Right. And what this does for you is it, it gives you a language of adoration. Uh, literally, that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, and so you're, point, you're praying according to God's law, and you're reading Scripture, and you're being informed by His will all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me end with this. This is uh, also Donald Whitney. He ends his book literally this way. He talks about Jesus on the cross and how he prayed the Psalms. So I'm just going to read a quick little thing from him. He says, So after Jesus heaves himself upward on the spike in his feet, and cries out Godward with the first verse of Psalm 22, which is, Oh, my, oh God, my God, why, why have you forsaken, forsaken me? Um, I am convinced that he sank down and he continued to pray through Psalm 22. To some degree, that is speculation, but we know that he prayed the first verse. We also know why he vocalized so little as he hung there, because it's hard to talk when you're being crucified. And since he was literally fulfilling Psalm 22 at that very moment, I believe it's more than reasonable to assume that after he prayed verse 1 aloud, Jesus sagged on the cross and silently continued to pray the rest of Psalm 22. And then he goes on to say, Then at the end, Jesus gathered the last ounce of his strength, strained upward a final time, and cried, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, praying the words of Psalm 31.5. And so two of, at least two of the seven statements that Jesus says on the cross were literally him praying the Psalms to his father. Um, and then he ends with this, the early church imitates Jesus. Um, in Acts 4, after they're threatened by the Jewish authorities, they say this, this is Acts 4, verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends, that is the church, and reported uh, what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. And it continues on. But those words are literally taken straight from Psalm 146, verse 6. Mm -hmm. So the early church prayed the Psalms. Jesus prayed the Psalms. Uh, The point is is we can use Scripture to to help us pray. Mm -hmm. And it it gets rid of some of that repetitiveness and that boringness because you're always learning new ways and angles to look at the same old things through. Right. Um, so what, what other, I guess, we can end here, obviously, but any any final words that you want to say on prayer? Um, I mean, uh, there's, there's, I guess, the, the excuse of uh, it's, I just can't find time or it just, I feel like I'm saying the same thing. I mean, we've, We've addressed the saying same thing, and then the fine time, uh, you know, Luther's famous for saying, because uh, he would pray for three hours every day, he would say, actually, if I, I can't find time in my day if I didn't do that, you know, like I, I have to I have to start with prayer or else my my entire day is just an absolute mess. Now, this might, might have been pre-conversion on Luther when he was still just a an Augustinian monk, I think, at the time, but yeah. not quite understood the gospel in Romans 3. But there's a sentiment that still makes sense, right? Like you rush out the door, you get up, you rush out the door, and you didn't pray that morning or read your scriptures, and then uh, you should take take the opposite mindset, which I I can't start my day without 
this. Um, not that uh, it's some kind of works-based thing, yeah. but still uh, out of gratitude and love for what Christ has done for you. You shouldn't want to start your days without um, being in, in the Word and in prayer. Yeah. I mean, Jesus prayed right, and picked up his cross. Peter didn't pray, and he dropped his cross three times. Right. Um, obviously, the Lord is merciful, is gracious. He restored him. Right. Uh, he restores us when we come to him. Um, Go through the Gospels and look at just how much Jesus retreated in prayer and yeah. prayed. I mean, if Jesus, God, had that much retreating from the, the public ministry he had to seek the Lord in prayer, <laughs> well, how much more should we? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I would just end with if you have found it hard to pray, um, your mind's wandering, um, maybe it's boring. You know, you don't admit that to anyone because, man, you go down like five cool points if you admit to other Christians that prayer is boring to you. Um, but if you find that to be your your um, case, I highly recommend this pamphlet, which is also a book called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. Yeah. Go out and read it. Um, it's been very helpful to my prayer life, uh, so I recommend it to you. Spurgeon has a book called Praying Successfully as well. Pretty, yeah. pretty good. But, all all right. right. Well, uh, that's been this week's podcast, this month's podcast, one of those two. And uh, we hope you all have a good, uh, sweet hours of prayer. With, with the Lord Jesus. Yeah. I'm going to go back to my boat so I can go home now. <laughs> See y'all later. Right, see you.